What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Backyard GM. I'm your host, Darius Brockett, and today's show is going to be pretty small, pretty quick, and pretty light. There's not a lot that's going on at the moment, but we are going to talk which quarterback will be the number two to go off the board second. Would it be Zach Wilson or will it be Justin Fields? We'll do a breakdown, compare, and contrast. We're talking about the big boys in the trenches on GM Draft Path. We're talking tackles, guards, centers, all of the above. And then we're going to wrap it up with GM Teams of the Week. We're going to Minnesota and we're heading down to New England to discuss those two teams. So I'll see you guys right after this break and I hope you guys have had a great Easter weekend and I hope you guys are having a good Thursday. Alright, let's jump straight into it. Which quarterback would you rather have or which quarterback do you think is going to be number two off the board? Would it be Zach Wilson out of BYU or Justin Fields of Ohio State? Before we jump into that and I give you guys my take on it, let's do the compare and contrast. First off, let's look at Justin Fields. This past season, threw for 2,100 yards, 22 touchdowns, and even though with the touchdowns did come with a couple interceptions, six to be exact, so we start there. But we also have to look at his game as a whole. As a runner, he did account for at least about three more touchdowns. I take that back. Five extra touchdowns plus 350 yards, which shows he can be very versatile and dynamic. Now we look at Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson may not have used his legs a lot, but in games that we've seen, when he needs to tuck tuck the ball and run, he has done that very well. But let's look at the numbers as a whole. Passing yards, he's thrown further more yards by throwing 3,692 yards, 33 touchdowns, and three interceptions. So on paper, Zach Wilson looks like the guy. But again, let's have a breakdown side-by-side comparison. Justin Fields obviously plays in the Big Ten. Zach Wilson being at BYU, there's not that much competition there. But there are people that he has played, again, where they he's had to put up his own numbers. And he showed that he can play ball. This was kind of like his Joe burrow S style of year where it's your final year here. You, We know that this is probably it for you. And he went out and proved that he showed progress from the year before to this year where Justin Fields just kind of added on to his legacy from what he did the year prior so where else do we go from there Justin Fields already talked about him being more dynamic with his legs versus Zach Wilson however Zach Wilson has a bigger arm so by comparing contrast it still kind of looks a little uneven but when you break down the film and you look at the game one thing I like Zach Wilson over than Justin Fields Justin Fields had a tendency to hold the ball way too long where Zach Wilson was kind of quick getting the ball out of his hands and he would easily make those simple throws where Justin would see his receivers sometimes hold the ball just a tad too a tad second too long to allow the pressure to get to him that can throw him off Zach Wilson is obviously that pro day was amazing the throw that he had off the run spinning out and just putting it on the money ball on a rope it was beautiful same thing that goes with Justin Fields however it's a lot that we have to take and consider and I think this would be a to each his own whose preference would you rather have here. If you are you're sitting there at number two with Jacksonville, you also have you're also sitting there with the number three pick in San Francisco. There's a lot that's going down here. So you have to understand where who goes where and what happens. There is a guarantee that or not a guarantee, let me not say that. There is a high chance three quarterbacks will be the first three picks. However, or more so, who's going to be the number two? We all know Trevor Lawrence is presumably going to be the number one. But who would you guys rather have? In my eyes, I would take, because I want a more dynamic quarterback, I want to take Justin Fields. 
that's because I would like to do more with his legs to make him more of a, so he's a, he's also an option himself, not really use him how Baltimore use him, but more how Seattle, not Seattle, more how Arizona uses Kyler Murray. There's some plays that are design runs, then there's some plays that aren't, but if he needs to use his legs, he will. Because he makes bigger plays when he's out the pocket than in, where Zach Wilson is known for making most of his bigger plays while sitting in that pocket. Every now and again, he still makes a big play outside of the pocket, but his main game, he's not a pocket passer, that's not what I'm saying, but his main game is being comfortable in that pocket, setting those feet, and forcing that ball downfield. So, in my eyes, I I would want Justin Fields to go off the board next, and that's my team if I'm building it, but... Overall, what do you guys think? Do you think Justin Fields will be the number two quarterback coming off the board? Or will it be Zach Wilson? And there's a lot to unpack there. But let me know what you guys think. After this, we're talking GM draft path. And we're talking about the boys in the trenches. The O-line. I'll see you after this break. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Let's jump straight into it. GM Draft Path, starting off with Quinn Mertz out of Wisconsin Whitewater Division Three school, stands at 6'3", 320 pounds, and there's not much to say about him because of the lack of national coverage, but I did go look at the games that he played, and this man should have been a D1 level caliber player because he was moving bodies left, right, down the field. He is what we call a big man moving guard really athletic believe it or not and one thing that i liked about him he's extremely powerful great use of his hands very fast hands very sharp quick feet that's what i liked about him as a whole and according to a lot of nfl scouts he has the the nfl level size and strength to be a a really good guard in this league because of how fast he moves and one thing i also wanted people to watch when it came to his game is he he can push a pile He's a guy who's quick to get to the second level. He'll move a body and then go up to the next. And in the Reese's Senior Bowl, uh, if you guys watched any of the practices, he wasn't able to play in the game. But in the practices against all these Division One, I say that in quotation, these Division One top five caliber athletes, he's pushing them out the way. He's moving them. He's holding his own, and he's showed. And then there's videos of him working out in the forest, lifting logs and things like that. He's a true lineman. And he's kind of like this lumberjack kind of figure where, where did you come from and how are you in this conversation? Again, Division three school, so there's questions about how would he fare in the NFL against NFL caliber talent because all he has played is Division three football. It hasn't been nothing high and explosive. There's also questions of what is his true ceiling? And that's not saying that in a negative way. What is his true ceiling? Because played Division three caliber, moves extremely fast, very sharp feet, very powerful when it comes to pulling. He's a he's a he's what I would consider to be a true guard. He's not very versatile to where you could be like, okay, I'm gonna put you a tackle and things like that. You could possibly put him at center if you felt like it because of his instincts and how smart he is. But what is his true ceiling to the point where we don't know where he lands at at the end of the day when it comes to the draft? But a lot of teams need guards and need linemen. But overall, in my eyes, he's going to be a day three guy. You'll definitely see him get picked between the third and the fifth round because his talent is going to be needed, and I think he'll be able to con- he'll be able to contribute in the NFL. He might be a prospect that you draft and has to wait until like that star guard is ready to retire or they're ready to move on as a whole. But he'll be out there on that field for somebody, and he'll make some plays. I like his game as a whole. If you guys haven't seen the Senior Bowl practices or haven't seen any of his workouts, I think you guys should go get acquainted to him. Quinn Mertz, Wisconsin Whitewater, six three, three hundred and twenty pounds. 
Coming in at number two, I have Rashawn Slater, center guard extraordinaire out of Northwestern, 6'3", 306. Guy's extremely smart. One thing I first noticed about his game was his instincts. And I can honestly say I appreciate it on a grand scale because there's not a lot of athletes or a lot of centers who have that true instincts to pick up on a blitz while also being on engaged into a whole nother blocker and that was something that i enjoyed watching his game is how his instincts would kick in and he can be a big body presence that can take up two spots more than one and that can create holes he's what i like to call a gap creator because the way he pushes the pile and moves men out the way he creates a hole he's an exceptional athlete very versatile he can play inside or you can put him at tackle i would more so preferably put him at guard or center more so than putting him on the edge only because that's where i would like to put him at but him being at 306 he kind of is more versatile where you could put him at guard i mean put him at tackle if you felt like it to me he's a solid blocker i already talked about he's a guy who can create gaps but what people don't really notice is he more fits a zone technique scheme where he can push one and move to the next level to create that hole for people they always tell you follow the guard's back. If the guard's back is showing to you or if it's a hole that's on that side and you can see down that line, follow. And that's what he did at Northwestern. He was able to create a lot of gaps for a lot of his players and even hold a pocket. A lot, I'm talking about run blocking a lot. He was able to hold a pocket. He was able to create a soft, safe pocket for his quarterback to just sit in and feel comfortable without feeling like there was anybody running straight directly down the quarterback's throat to even create a blitz. Now, with this game, there are a little things that people don't notice. One of those things that a lot of people have, or a lot of NFL scouts have talked about is they're a little concerned of his size and his length. He doesn't have really long arms, and his size is kind of... He's a little short in terms of the torso, but it's more so on his length of his arms. How far can he go to extend and engage with a defender, or does he have to allow someone to get their hands on him first before he can make any contact? But the upside to his game is that what no one talks about, he has very sneaky agility to move from one level to the next, and I talked about him being more of a zone scheme blocker instead of a power blocker. A lot of people want him to be a power blocking style guard, That's why, I, or a power blocking style lineman in general, but he's more suited to be in a zone scheme to push piles, go from one side to another. He can go from east, northeast. He's a northeast blocker in my eyes. He likes to combo, or he can take on a block by himself, and easily get to that guard, I mean, get to that linebacker, get to the safety, and keep moving. I think that's something you really have to watch out for. I suggest you guys look at his tape. He's my number two guy. And how this draft shakes out, he could possibly be a day two guy, possibly a day one, depending on how everything moves around, if there's any trades. No later than the third round, fourth round, if anything happens that that drastic but he's still a guy that i can see that will be out here on sundays and perform at a very high level again that's with sean slater guard center tackle extraordinary very versatile out of northwestern 63306 coming in at number one i have ali javera tucker tackle guard out of usc 64 315 pounds and this guy can ball very protective i more so use him as a tackle than i would as a guard he's definitely going to be the second tackle in my eyes if you use him as a tackle to come off the board this kid is very versatile again i talked about he could play outside or inside i would prefer him to play at the tackle position a combo player who is and i use that in terms of in the run game he's a combo player you could use him on the left side right side and if you're run blocking him in the guard or him in the tight end can take one to the next level and push from there 
He has great recovery if he does get beat on the snap. And that's a lot of things a lot of people don't talk about or a lot of things that don't get noticed when you're looking at the game of football, when you're looking at linemen as a whole. Sometimes you can get beat, but it's your job to recover. And there was one game, I can't remember it specifically, but dude gets off the ball extremely quick off the edge and immediately with that two steps back was able to recover and force the guy to go inside and kind of they collapse. They, they clash. He forces him to go inside and was able to secure the pocket for the quarterback. And it ended up being a pretty good play. He creates a solid wall. And I say that because of his frame and because of his stance. He creates that wall that that makes the pocket secure and safe on the left side or the right side. And it's very easy for when it's an easier job when you have a player who can just protect the fort and hold it down. And him being a solid wall means that I can trust him more in one-on-one situations without having to worry about it. So your best defensive end will have to go up against my best tackle. And I think my tackle is going to win. And that's what I liked about his game. Him being able to set that wall and him having quick hands is very unmatched. That's a lot of things people don't talk about. Granted, he's not the on the Mayox big board. He's not the number one tackle or guard, but depending, I would put him at a solid number two as a whole. But on my list, he's number one because of how he plays. I'm. We all know who's going to be the first lineman off the board, but this is a lineman that in that in that conference, not a lot of people talked about it. Not a lot of people talked about him. He handles his own. Now there are certain things that come with his game that people are questioning. His the only suggestion that most people should see is that people should think he should consider getting stronger if he is going to play tackle to at least have to be able to compete with the NFL strength. He already has fast hands, but you got to be able to hold your own in the NFL. Sometimes you aren't going to really be able to hold your own nine times out of 10, or you might occasionally be left on that island. So having that strength could boost him up anyway. Also, the only another concern is where would you put him once he gets to the lead? I prefer him at tackle. Uh, a lot of people see him sitting at tackle, but they more so put him on the right side and not protecting the blind side. But overall, He's my number one lineman that you guys should watch. Watch his film. Look at the way how he moves downfield. Look at how agile he is. Look at his fast hands. Look at how fast his feet are. And you'll understand exactly where I'm coming from and why I like his game. Again, that's Ali Javera Tucker out of USC. 6'4", 315 pounds. He's definitely a day one guy in my eyes. And you guys should get acquainted to his film. So there you guys have it. Those are my GM draft path, big boys in the trenches. And I want you guys to watch their film and get acquainted to them as a whole. Coming up after this, we have the GM draft path. And I already told you, we're talking Minnesota and New England. And they've done a lot. They've either added some pieces or lost some pieces. So we'll talk about their key additions and key losses and what else they need to add to make sure their team will be ready to contend this season. So I'll see you guys after this break. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Let's jump straight into it. We're talking to Minnesota Vikings, and we're talking about what's going on with these guys, and we're going to build this franchise back up to contention. Last year, this team finished 7-9. Wasn't the best season that they had. Definitely could have gone better. They started off really well, and then it kind of got shaky. They they started off very one-dimensional. Then, you know, they were just everywhere. But they've done a lot during this offseason and now they're sitting on approximately 7.5 million dollars in cap space and they still have a little bit spending to go i already talked about it earlier before the commercial i t- we were talking about their key additions and key losses their biggest loss to me was possibly kyle rudolph and riley reeve kyle rudolph their long-standing tight end they're all reliable with hands is now going to be with the new york giants and riley reeve 
who is their long-standing left tackle, 33 years old, firmly decided to go take a walk, and is now going to be protecting Joe Burrow. Those guys are huge because of, A, the offense. The offense had its ups and downs, and its biggest is trying to lean on Dalvin Cook, but also relying on Kirk Cousins to use his arm. And those are two key pieces that you need. Left tackle, A, is going to be the biggest that you need. And Kyle Rudolph was definitely a very nice security blanket for him. Those are things that this team has been accustomed to for so long that now without them, they have to readjust. But they also tackled most of their team needs during this offseason that was on the defensive side of things. And in their biggest additions, they end up adding Patrick Peterson at corner, Dalvin Tomlinson at defensive tackle, and Xavier Woods at safety. So, yeah, they lost two guys, or they probably lost more, but they're two biggest losses, but they've gained three players who all can help that defense that address their team needs. Their team needs, even before I even went down, was getting some interior D-linemen, getting a secondary, and also definitely needing to get a safety, and that's what they addressed, and they've done it well in a timely fashion. There are other things that they need to address, and another thing that I would address or that wasn't really talked about is now who's going to be your tight end there's a lot of young guys you can obviously draft you a tight end if you felt like it who's going to be your tight end but the bonus that i talked about was or that i was putting together in my head they need them another corner another corner would be a bonus to give you an extra secondary player who can put put in a slide who can lock down the fort and can hold their own with patrick peterson on one end and also don't have to worry about over top coverage and that's what they will have to add now the receiver or slash tight end i talked about that that's for depth you need those receivers what has to be one of the deepest positions because there's a lot of subbing that goes in and out there's a lot of formations you could put three receivers on the field you could put four or five if you want to so drafting another receiver for depth because adam thielen's going to get covered justin jefferson's definitely going to get covered after the rookie year he didn't have so where does that leave you overall this team is still in a playoff contending position they just have to play better football there's nothing really ultimately wrong they just got to play better football we're going to transition all the way down to foxborough well not all the way down to but all the way over to foxborough and we're looking at the patriots the patriots are on the opposite spectrum of this team that was terrible still end up finishing seven and nine Cam Newton has returned after the year he had, and he talked about it on the I Am Athlete podcast, where he felt like coming back from COVID, something just didn't feel right, and for some reason, this team still finished 7-9. This team was still in a position at one point that was still in the playoff hunt around week 8 and week 9, when obviously they shouldn't have been there. They're getting a lot of guys coming back who chose to opt out this past season so they're going to get guys back uh after a big spending spree they're now sitting on 11.2 million this is the most money they ever put out in free agency maybe since before tom brady ever getting drafted so you can tell they're really trying to win now they're trying to build this franchise in a win now position or get back to where they were where that one year was just a slip because man their biggest loss was joe thuney who was a guard he goes to kansas city but they what what they lost or what their biggest loss was wasn't what equals up to what they added they added matthew judon jonu smith they added hunter henry Jalen Jalen mills they've added so many guys nelson aguilar cam needed weapons at receiver so or cam needed weapons period so they get two of the league's top 10 tight ends who we're in the line for a big payday anyway, so he has those guys to throw to. He has Nelson Aguilar. The defense looked real shoddy last year. Stephon Gilmore was talked about to be on a trade block, where that could still happen when the draft is all said and done and things like that, because who wants to pay him at that age at this mo- at this point, or at least do the Patriots want to pay him at this age, of course, but he's still a premier corner but they were like okay our defense was abysmal and we calvin noy got released one year into his miami contract is now back with new england on a two-year deal 
Jalen Mills goes from Philly. He comes on over. Matthew Judon was like, Baltimore, I'm out of there. I'm going to go play with New England because that's where the money's at. So they are putting this team together to win now. And the fact that I already talked about it, how much money it is, Cam has decided to come back, which I figured that was going to happen because after the year they had, Cam started off the season really well. And like I said earlier, that COVID kind of slowed him down. And then his game just never really felt the same. But I think this year we could see the Patriots back in the conversation of running the East or at least giving Buffalo a run for their money because Buffalo is an extremely good team. The Jets, eh, no one's really too worried about the Jets. And Miami still has a lot to growing on their, has a lot to do with growing on their own in terms of culture and the way they play. So this league, that division obviously can sit down upon these two teams. And it's going to be interesting to watch because 7-9. and nine, with that type of team on paper that should have been 4-12, and 12, and now we have a week 17 added or week 18 because now there's 17 games, that extra game might change a couple things. We'll see what happens overall with how everything's shaking out, how Patriots have built this roster really fast with the offseason now. Everyone has an offseason to go through things, so let's see how this offense works. Let's see how this new defense will look. So there you guys have it. Another episode wrapped up in the books, episode 12. I want to thank you again for listening to another episode of the backyard gm podcast episode 12 every week is something different and i want to thank you guys again for listening for liking for sharing with other people this is going to be my last episode for probably until after the draft because i have to go focus on school finals is almost here and the semester is almost over so i just want to focus on school for a while uh if there's anything changed i'll let you guys know i'll probably have another episode again like i said after the draft where i break down team by team draft and who was their biggest deal and things like that if there's anything that i'm missing let me know you guys can follow me on instagram at beast m underscore media or you can follow me on twitter at darius brockett d-a-r-i-u-s b-r-o-c-k-e-t-t again That's a wrap on this episode. I'll see you guys in the future. This episode, again, I hope you guys had a great Easter. I hope you guys will have a great weekend that's coming up now. So, yeah, I'll see you guys later. Oh, no. Uh, Please remember to like, share, and follow me on. I'm I'm streaming on all platforms. So, if it's not on Anchor, follow it on Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcast from. So, again, I'll see you guys after the draft.